Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is often used as a scripture to um, prove, I suppose you could say, that it's not possible for any Christian to lose their salvation. Now I'm going to get to that, but before I do that, I'm going to get to some other stuff. So keep that in mind. Keep your finger on that, that portion. And let me get to some other scriptures. Because I'm going to paint a picture for you. Because one thing you have to understand just uh, with this subject, with this topic of salvation. Salvation, it's more than just you know us making a decision. Say, okay, I'm going to make a decision for, for, for God. Salvation is an act of God. It's a gift of God whereby an unregenerate sinner is washed, renewed, and born again. So it's not something, salvation is not something that we could earn. It's a gift. You know, we weren't worthy of it, but God in his ultimate mercy sent his son Jesus in order that we would be saved. So an important, you know, because, you know, you can't, you don't want to get into the, to, to the wrong thinking of saying that I have to do something in order to get salvation. And, you know, a lot of times what happens is people think, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not good enough. You know, my life is a mess. You know, you don't clean yourself up and then come to Christ. You come to Christ and he washes you in his, in, in, in the power of his blood. He renews you and you're now born again. That's what happens. So, so that's important to keep in mind. Let me read a scripture in Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously, through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Well, let me keep going. Now, as I always talk about, yeah, amen, we should praise the Lord for that. that by the way, Titus is a, an underrated book that I feel like kind of is... is um, not talked about all that much because it's it's like small and kind of like in between <laughs> but it's a great book and that's a great scripture and as I always say in speaking about you know when we're studying any kind of scripture there there's there's five things I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a little teachy tonight um, because I think this is important but, but there's there's five elements to context 
when you're studying that you need to understand. Number one, the immediate context. So what's happening immediately um, around that particular verse. So you don't just look at one verse, you look at what comes before it, what comes after. Number two, the book context. So what's happening in the entire book? So, you know, you, again, if you're reading one scripture and you're like, oh, I think it means that. Well, what is the book saying as a whole? Number three, the writings of the author, if they have more than one book. So when we're reading in Romans, that was written by Paul. Paul has multiple books. So this isn't always obviously for, for not, you know, uh, there are some biblical writers that only have written run, one book. So that wouldn't apply, but it's kind of an, an added on uh, a bonus point that if the author has written multiple books, you have the ability to look kind of at his his writings as a whole and then you kind of get a, a better understanding of what he's trying to say um, who he's speaking to uh, what the situation of his audience is number four the context of the testament that it's in so you know this verse in romans that we read well it's in the new testament so what's the context of the new testament okay now just a little um I'll give you a quick answer to that. Obviously, the context of the New Testament is Christ entering the scene. Okay. Um, and then, of course, number five, the entire biblical context. So as I mentioned before, the weight of scripture. I love, I love saying that because to me, that means everything. The full weight of scripture. What is God saying through his word? Because the entire word is inspired by God. So let's read another scripture in Romans chapter 8. Because this is the one that I feel kind of gets people thinking, well, it doesn't matter what we do or don't do. If we're, if we're chosen for salvation, we can't lose it. Okay. Romans, 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 30. Actually, let me go to verse 29. For those he for God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Here's what you need to understand. Because the subject now, obviously the subject of predestination probably warrants its own broadcast but I, I did want to touch on it a little bit no single individual is chosen elected foreknown or predestined to be saved or lost without their personal choice and responsibility so you have a choice God doesn't have a list of names and next to each name is saved or lost depending on what he felt like he didn't put everybody's name in a hat and pick one out and say mm, Bob saved category uh, Jenny mm, lost category no that's not how it works God made a decision in his infinite mercy to send his son to allow men and women to be saved that was his choice so God has predetermined that all, all who are in Christ would be conformed to the image of Christ, therefore adopted as children of God. So God's foreknown, 
predestined plan is that everyone who basically, you know, what does the Bible say? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That everyone who is in Christ is conformed to the image of Christ and therefore becomes a child of God, adopted into the family of God. That is God's predetermined plan. It cannot change. He doesn't, it wasn't that way for like 500 years. And then after 500 years, God's like, you know what? Uh, actually changed my mind. Uh, you know, if people accept Christ, it doesn't matter. You know, no, it, 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 it is a predetermined decision. God's plan has been foreknown and predestined. His plan has been not that our free will and choice has been predestined because there's a group of, uh, there's a denomination that believe um, it's chosen ahead of time who's saved and who's not. So doesn't matter what you do. And I, I you know, and I kind of always, um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's a strange, it's a strange belief uh, system for me because, you know, then it makes me think, well, what's the point of us doing everything if it's already decided? And they never really have an answer for that. But that's, you know, if, if any one of you on here hold to that belief system, I'd be curious to, to know the answer to that. So God has foreordained that all people will have an opportunity to respond to salvation, but only the ones who accept will be justified and glorified. Romans 8.33, sticking in that same um, passage. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Right? So God makes a decision that those who choose God, all people are called to become God's elect if they will choose God. I agree, Lynn. It's strange. But I'm not, listen, I, pe I love people. So that's why I'm always curious. Like, why do you believe what you believe? I'm just, I sincerely want to know. Um, let's turn to another scripture. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. Uh, verse four, let's start at verse four. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will. God has predestined all children of God to be adopted into his family. But who becomes a child of God, that choice is left up to the individual, right? God, I'll say it again. God has predestined all children of God to be adopted into his family. But who becomes a child of God, that choice is left up to every individual. Paul here in the book of Ephesians is writing, who is he writing to? To the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. He's letting them know, you are, you are now in Christ. So you were predestined because you made that decision. All who make that decision, it was predetermined that you will now become a child of God. I hope that makes sense. Because like I said, this subject probably warrants an entire broadcast all to itself. But it is important to address it. Because it's part of the reason why um, there's questions on this subject. Because what we're talking about is eternal security. 
can your eternal security, is it, is it up for grabs? Let me say this. You, your salvation is not something that can be taken from you. It can, it's impossible for your salvation to be taken from you. That's why Paul says, um, that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he's talking about nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Okay, nothing can separate us. The devil cannot come in and say, you, I'm taking your salvation away. I'm separating you from God. That's what I'm deciding. Can't do it. Can't happen. It's not possible. God's uncondition God's love is unconditional, but salvation is not unconditional. Nothing can force you to separate yourself from God except you. You you can forfeit your salvation. And there are a lot of people who say no, that's not true. Once you're saved, you're always saved. That's what people say. That's what they believe and I'm going to show you from the word what the word says. Because you see what I almost said? I almost said, no, this is what I think. No, this is what the word clearly states. Because if you say that a person um, uh, um, who becomes saved, now it doesn't matter what they do. You're basically saying that sin is acceptable. But if you say that sin is acceptable, you undermine the necessity of the cross. Because a lot of people, they kind of look at this as, well, you know, salvation is not based on works. No, it's not. Because you don't need works in order to get salvation. Yeah, I agree, Ori. Works does not bring you salvation. And there's a whole debate. Um, thanks, Loretta. <laughs> there's a whole debate. Um you know, regarding faith, works, you know, James talks about your works and then Paul talks about faith. If you want to know what that all means, I suggest you take my class at GNU next semester. Highly recommended because we go into that quite deeply. But for the sake of this broadcast, I'm not going to go all the way into that. But I'm just going to tell you that salvation requires faith. In order, you know, it requires faith to be saved. You don't have to do something to be like, okay, now I worked my way up. I did a bunch of good things. Now I'm worthy of salvation. No, that's not how it works. However, there is a way for a Christian to live. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. I realize as I'm, as I'm doing this, that this is such a big, a big subject and a big topic. I probably should have split it up. And so more than one week and, and, and kind of go through everything. But may, perhaps in the future, I'll, I'll, I'll go deeper into it. But I, 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 it, it is a big subject and sometimes a bit difficult to understand. But I think I still think that you'll be able to, 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 to have this question answered. Um, exactly, John. John I'll, I'll read this for, for the people who watch later. The golden ticket to heaven is a gift, but you can choose to throw the ticket away. Absolutely. Um, you could you could take it, have it, and then rip it up and say, well, don't need this. And that happens. And, and I'm not going to say a name or anything like that, but I know a lot of people that they aren't serving the Lord anymore. 
Uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 10, verse 26. If we, listen to this, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. This is harsh language. It's just so amazing to read. Who has trampled the son of God underfoot. You have trampled the sacrifice of Christ by treating uh, the blood of the covenant as an unholy thing. By, by looking at, you know, I was washed in the blood. So now I could do whatever I want. That is directly insulting the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Hmm. Verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that you, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Let me go to another scripture. Galatians chapter 5. Where is Galatians chapter 5? I didn't put a bookmark apparently. I always do that. Galatians 5, verse 15. Uh, no, that's not right. Okay, no wonder I didn't put a bookmark. I clearly put the wrong scripture. Hebrews chapter 3. I had like a million scriptures, so I'm kind of all over the place with them. Where is Hebrews chapter 3? I did not put my bookmarks properly, did I? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful unbelief. Listen to this. Listen to this. That none of you have an un a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. In order to turn away from God means that you were once turned to him. So in other words, the scripture is making it clear. It is possible to turn away from God. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first. So you have to hold firmly to the end because it's possible that there are people though once enlightened though once saved did not hold firmly to the end and they won't make it i i just don't because again i i think like i said i didn't go into great detail about the subject of predestination and all that but but i think i explained it enough to understand what it means 
So therefore, once you understand what that means, how can you read scriptures like this and think, well, you know, God chooses uh, who's going to be saved, so there's nothing you could do to lose it. Really? Because it, it seems quite clear to me that there are people, there are warnings for people. Don't turn away from the Lord. Don't fall into sin and then therefore turn away from God. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20. If they have escaped, listen, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to know the way of righteousness than to turn than to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. It would have been better if they had never believed at all. That that is that's a sobering thought. That that's a very sobering thought. That it would have been better um, to 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 not believe at all. Ephes oh, this is the scripture. So I did get it right. Ephesians five fifteen. Be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. Why be careful how you live if it doesn't matter? Why be careful how you live if there's nothing you could do that could possibly cause you to, to, to no longer be saved? Why should you be careful? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There is a way for us to walk. There is a path that God has marked out that we must walk in. It's not something that just happens by fluke. God's mercy allows us to be saved, but it's our decisions that keep us that way. That's the best way that I could put it. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 verse 21. Once you were alienated from God, and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. A lot of people stop there and say, look, we're, we're, we're without blemish. We, there's no more accusation. There's no more condemnation. The next verse, if you continue... Exactly. God always, God is not, you know, God never has ever forced anyone to follow him, ever. He marks out in his word what we are to do. He lets us know the consequences to those decisions. And he leaves the decision up to us. I mean, isn't that funny? That, because in my Bible here, verse 22, there's like a dash. So it's like, you know, without blemish, free from accusation, dash. If you continue, if you continue in your faith, established and firmed, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed 
to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, for the Christian to be presented as finally approved of God, Paul states that it depends upon that Christian's continuing in the faith. Be being saved. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Fear of the Lord. <laughs> some, some people say, fear of the Lord, trembling of what happens if you don't fear him. <laughs> you know, that's funny, but it's, it's a good it's a good way of putting it. Because salvation is, is an act that you walk out. It is a gift from God, yes. But then there is a life to be lived that follows that. Because if the end goal was just get saved, go to heaven, as soon as you're saved, boop, you go right to heaven. But no, there's still a life to live. I agree, Joe. I, you know, and I just have to say, you know, I'm glad you, you mentioned that. Um, you know, when I was young, um, there, there was a lot of, 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 of kids my age and in my Sunday school class and, and in, in, you know, um, when we were kids. Um, you know that, that probably of a, of a group of, there was a lot of them. There's only three, and that includes myself, that I know that are still serving the Lord. And that makes me very sad. Um, because they, they were raised in church, brought up in church, and, and they no longer serve the Lord. And it's not even a matter that they don't go to church. It's like they, they literally like renounce God. They, they literally like, are like, you know, I don't even think God exists. I, you, how, you know, if, if there is no way for you to ever like, again, it's, it's almost like a funny topic to me that this is even a topic because I don't understand how it could be. I don't understand how any logical, knowledgeable Christian can study the word and actually believe that there's nothing you could do to take your salvation away. What you have to understand is your salvation is secure. What that means is you don't wake up in the morning not sure if you're still saved and have to pray the prayer of salvation again. No, your salvation is secured. Once you make that decision to accept the free gift of Christ Jesus, it's secure. You could know and be sure that you will go to heaven. But if you turn away from the Lord, you no longer uh, have that assurance. So in other words, what I'm, what I'm trying to say, maybe in a not so clear manner, if you are serving the Lord, your salvation is secure. It cannot be taken from you. It cannot be lost. God does not change his mind. He has already predestined that those who are in Christ Jesus will be saved, will spend eternity with him in heaven. So if then, if it's impossible for a child of God to lose his faith, then Paul's exhortation here is needless and meaningless why is he exhortating people to continue in the faith if there's no way you could lose it right but he paul exhorts us to continue in the faith because it's entirely possible for you to give it up it's entirely possible 
for you to give up on that faith that you did once have. And I know many people that have done it. If someone is once saved, but they reject and despise Christ, they despise and resist the spirit, and they have renounced the gospel, they have forfeited their salvation. And again, I know that that is, <clears throat> not everybody likes that. No, you can't lose your faith. It's not possible. You're secure forever. Okay. Well, then what? <laughs> you, know, you know what I say? And, and I, I'm just, it, it might, you might laugh, but I'm like, okay, then you try. You know what? Sin a lot, renounce God, and then see what happens at the end of your life. No one's going to do that. No one, no one in their right mind will willingly do that because deep down they know that if they turn away from the Lord, they will not end up in heaven. It's a very dangerous game to, to play. And it is heartbreaking. But let me tell you something. If you're still alive, it's not over. And I don't, I, I, I want to, maybe this is an encouragement to somebody who's listening. But if, if you have a child, a friend, uh, um, a, a niece or nephew, a grandchild, uh, a, a spouse, and you're like, man, they were once in church and now they're not anymore. It's not over yet. They're still alive. God can still move on their heart. It's not over. I know that scripture in Hebrews was harsh, but that's when there's no more chances. You, you can come back to the Lord. If you're still alive, you can come back. But it is a dangerous game to play. Um, so don't, don't lose, lose hope. If you're believing for someone to come to the Lord, if you're believing for someone to come back, if maybe they just got like caught up in something um, and they just, I don't know the reason, um, you know, they got, they got caught up in sin um, and they, 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 they're not serving the Lord anymore. There's no distinguishable features in them that would suggest they're serving the Lord. Because you also have to define it. What's serving the Lord? You know, to me, a person who serves the Lord uh, um, lives their life for him. That he is the center of their life. You know, so it's probably, it's not that difficult to tell who is serving the Lord. So you keep praying for them. You don't give up. God hasn't. He wants them. What does it say in the book of Ezekiel? Old Testament. That God doesn't want, God doesn't even want the wicked to be punished. He'd rather that they come to righteousness. But he can't go against his word. And his word says that if you do not repent, you will perish. So he can't go against his word. But he would much prefer, you know, hell is not for people. Hell has not been created for people. It's for the devil and his demons. The Bible is clear about that. Right? It's for the devil and his demons. If people go there, he doesn't send them there. They choose to go there. So that needs to be very, made very clear. Look at James chapter 1 says. We, uh, Pastor Steve just preached on this. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I love that. Do you want to know why? Actually, I don't know if he got there yet. Yeah, he did get there. I forget. But anyways, you know what that's basically saying? 
It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. A temptation is not sin. If that, you know, if that were the case, everyone would just have to like literally poke their eyes out because we, you know, everything around us could cause a temptation. A temptation of itself is not sin. Giving into the temptation, that is sin. Because each person is tempted, like, like it says, when they're dragged away by their own evil desire. So, you know, if you, you might see a, 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 a picture of something and you're like, oh, it brings a thought. You're like, nope, get that thing out of here. But what happens to some people? They start thinking about it. They start dwelling on it. And there's an evil desire in there. And they end up going that way. And then what happens? When that desire is conceived, it causes sin. What happens when that sin comes? Once it gives birth, uh, uh, it gives birth to death. Which means it is possible for people to be dragged away by sin and to therefore be dragged into death, which is hell. Luke 8, 13. Those on the rocky ground are the one who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. It's not possible for a Christian to fall away. Really? My Bible tells me otherwise. And I don't know where this idea came from that you, you know, you, you, you could never lose your faith and you could never uh, uh, not be saved if you're once saved. It's not biblical. It's just not. And that, you know, there's, there's probably like, well, there is a lot of, a lot of other scriptures, even that you could go even further into this. I did, like I said, I probably should have made it a series, but I, I wanted it to, to just be for one week, but um, you can go very, very deep into this. And like I said earlier, there are people on the other side of the coin who believe the opposite to what I believe, who also can provide a ton of verses and, and a ton of, of, of evidence to support their point. I'm not trying to support my point. I'm trying to tell you what the Bible says. Because I made a decision a few years ago and I said, it's not about what I think. I wanna know what the Bible says and then that's what I'm gonna think. And, it, and it's, it's proved to be helpful for me. And I've had to change some things. I've had to admit, okay, I wasn't right about this because scripture tells me otherwise. You can't be a person that refuses to admit that you've gotten something wrong. It's fine. It's okay. Get it right. Get it right. If you're a person that came onto this broadcast thinking, no, a, a Christian's uh, salvation is secure, it could never be taken by nothing. Okay. Um, but maybe now you think otherwise. Maybe now you're going to be like, you know what? I'm probably going to study further into this because I, I, I might have been in error. If you're in error, just admit you're in error. Get it right. Move on. I'm not going to hold it against you. And God would much prefer that you get yourself right than to stay stuck in error just for the sake of pride. Because pride is a sin. You want to know why God hates pride? Because pride leads people to destruction. Just think about a pastor, for example, who might feel strongly about a certain subject, realize he's wrong, but he's too proud to admit it. He's leading people astray. Pride is a destructive force. It's one of pride. God, Satan kicked that. Pride is what kicked this whole thing off. 
Pride is what started all this. Satan's like, I I'm going to I'm going to be above God. I'm going to be better than God. Really? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if God gave him a, a, an option an, an option to say, "You sure you want to say that?" And in his pride, he couldn't. I wonder. Or he's like, or he's just was too proud. He's like, "Nope. I'm going to I'm going to do what I want." So, if you if you're in error, don't allow pride to stop you from coming in, into the to the right place that you need to be. And but as I said before, one thing that you need to be sure of, one thing you need to know and remember and never forget. Once you make a decision to follow Jesus and you live for him all of your life, no one can take your salvation and your eternity from you. If you choose to live for Jesus, to follow him, to commit to holiness, to be being perfected in your life. You're not going to wake up one morning and be like, wait, am I still saved? No, that's not how it works. You have a hope of salvation that will never return void. You have a hope to know and to, to be sure that you will be in heaven with God, spending eternity with him there. And if you've never made that decision, I want to give you an opportunity. And by the way, you know, we give people opportunities to be saved and then we help them because, you know, people, you know, like I read in, in that verse in Luke, that depending on what the soil is, you could have people that it's like, they're very sincere in the beginning, but then, you know, they don't even know how to, how to live and they end up falling away. No, we're here to help you. That's why if you, if you get pray that prayer and get saved, make sure you message this account and let us know because we want to help you. We want to put tools in your hand to help you live the Christian life. That's why we're in church every week, living the Christian life, continuing in the faith. That's how your salvation is going to be secure. So God made it clear. Those who continue in the faith, their, their eternity is set. It cannot be changed. The devil can't do anything about it. The devil can be like, I don't like this person. I'm going to take their salvation. Not possible. The only way, the only way that you could ever quote unquote lose your salvation, which I don't like that phrase, but that's a, a, a phrase that's used a lot, is if you forfeit it, is if you give it away. I like that, John. Like a garden, our lives require constant weeding. That's good. The soil, yeah, the soil can change. You could, you could be kind of one soil and then it ends up being not good soil. Keep watch. That's why, the, again, one of the scriptures I read, keep watch. Be wise in how you live. Make sure you know what God's will is. Make sure you walk in his will. It's crucial. And if you do that, you don't ever have to worry. You don't ever have to worry of whether or not you're still going to go to heaven. You never have to worry. You're set. You're going to be there. But make a decision if you never have before. I'm going to I'm going to pray a prayer. And you repeat this prayer out loud out of your mouth. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So don't think to yourself, well, is God going to want me? I'm really messed up. I made a lot of mistakes. Yo, he wants you. He sent his son for you to die just for you. It would have been all worth it if it was just for you. That's You have to understand that. that when Jesus left the 99 to find the one, he wants that one. He wants to make sure that everybody is safe under his shepherding. So pray this prayer. Say, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus. I believe in my heart that he rose from the dead to save me. Now I confess of all my sin and wrongdoing and I accept him as Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Father, that I am now saved. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. And if you do what the word says by continuing in the faith, your, your eternity is secure. Amen. Amen.